So for us to have this opportunity to create goodness and merit, it depends on our forbearance and endurance. And so the Buddha taught, Kanti Paramang Tapo Titika, that this patient endurance is the quality that burns up the defilements. And it's, it is a quality that we need to have in our hearts. So we all know when we go to work, then we do need to have um, patience, forbearance. And whenever we receive any sense impressions in the heart, then we need to bear with those as well. And having morality, keeping the precepts, this relies on kanti, on our patience. And if we feel angry, then we don't act on that. We don't go and speak harsh words that hurt people. We don't do something to cause pain. So whatever um, emotions that we feel, then we have endurance there. And in order to develop mindfulness and wisdom, this also depends upon this quality of kanti. That when we bring these things up, these qualities arise, then we have the forbearance to not let them degenerate. And it's a quality that all wise beings, um, the sages, they praise and something that us practitioners need to cultivate and develop in our minds. So when we sit in meditation for a long time, there's painful feelings that arise in the body, and we need to endure with those. And so we have this patience, endurance in our practice, in our work, and we need to do that in order to be able to succeed. We also need to see the dangers, the harms in this cycle of sangsara, and also in this body that's sitting here right now, seeing that it's something that needs to degenerate and break apart. And even though we may not be experiencing sickness right now, we can ask ourselves, what kind of difficulty is it giving us? The hunger, the thirst, the aches and pains that we feel, if we sit for a long time, walk for a long time, stand, lie down for extended periods, then there'll be pain coming up in the body. If the weather's too hot, if the weather's too cold, if there are a lot of insects that disturb us and bite us, this is all a cause for physical discomfort. In some countries, they don't have many insects, so they don't have to deal with the discomfort of that but usually in those countries, the weather's either very hot or very cold, or it's extremely humid. And this is all a cause for physical pain. When there's a change in the temperature or the seasons turn over, then the body experiences change as well. It becomes sick. So these are all ways that we can reflect upon the body, seeing that it is a heap of difficulty and stress. When someone is born, we usually feel very happy, thinking that a very good thing has happened. But it's of the nature of these bodies that once they 
come together, then they'll have to, after not long, uh, degenerate and disband. That they arise in the beginning, and in the middle they persist for a while, and in the end they cease. And this is a law of nature, that whatever arises is of the nature to cease. So whenever someone is born, then that creates the causes for old age, sickness and death, and these arise as pairs, and no one is able to escape from this. When there's birth, then by necessity there needs to be old age, sickness and death. But it's the mind that comes and attaches to this form while it's in the womb. And we want it to live forever. We don't want it to change. But we can contemplate that if this body never underwent change, would that be a good thing? If when we were babies, then we just stayed in that state, we wouldn't like it, would we? We wouldn't be able to help ourselves. But as these bodies develop and grow, they reach a point where they stop growing and then they start to um, degenerate. And this happens gradually, gradually, until in the end, the body undergoes sickness. And finally, we come across an illness that no one is able to treat. The doctors can't help us. And this is when the elements that had come together at birth disband. These human bodies that we have are very efficient systems. Um, and so they have uh, these, uh, the, the system of processing the blood through the body. Um, but even though they are very efficient, um, they'll reach a point where we're not able to treat uh, the various illnesses that we can experience and we'll have to experience degeneration until eventually the cells aren't able to repair themselves and then by nature the body breaks up. So this ceasing, this breaking up of nature is anicca, this inconstancy, instability, dukkang, stress or suffering. And anatta, it's something that we can't control. So these bodies that we have sitting here, we're not able to control them. And so the Buddha posed the question, form, is it constant or inconstant? And is it a source of happiness or a source of pain? And if these bodies are inconstant and a source of pain, they have change as their nature, then is it appropriate to go and attach to them? Should we attach to any form of physicality or mentality? If our minds are calm and in a peaceful state, then we'll be able to see that all forms in these bodies, they really aren't constant. They're not stable. They're not a source of happiness. And this is the truth. They're not self. And that's real. They really aren't self. And we'll see this. But it depends upon the calmness of the heart to see clearly into this nature, to give rise to wisdom. Why is it though that when we come to sit, our minds aren't still, they're not peaceful. That's because they have habits, these bad habits of proliferation, of finding delight in sensuality, of 
getting averse and angry, they're being scattered and thinking about a number of different issues. Or they go off and become drowsy, sleepy. They get into doubts and worries or get annoyed over things. These are the qualities that prevent the mind from settling down into peace, from becoming quiet and still, from gathering into samadhi. They're one kind of phenomena, one kind of dhamma, but they're an unskillful dhamma. These five hindrances, these are the dhammas which prevent the mind from getting into samadhi. So the Buddha came to be wise to these hindrances, and in response he taught uh, the meditation objects or the um, impressions of mind that can bring the heart to peace. So we need to change our habits of thought and bring them to think about things that are skillful. And whatever skillful um, means of thinking or object of thought, object of awareness, then we use that, whether that's uh, the recollection of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, through reciting the meditation word, Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, or recollecting more um, actively the good and beautiful qualities of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. These are skillful objects that we can keep our mind on. We can also think about death, and this is a skillful object too, or bring the mind to recollect and become imbued with the four Brahma-viharas of um, kindness, compassion, empathetic joy, and equanimity. And these two are skillful objects of the mind. We can also cultivate mindfulness by being aware, present, whenever we're standing, sitting, walking, lying down, whatever activities or actions that we do, if we're speaking, if we're eating, if we extend our arm, we bring our arm back in, we have mindfulness over that. And this too, these two are skillful objects of the mind. So the Buddha taught that the foundations for mindfulness, um, that there are four of them, and these are the body, feelings, the mind, and Dhamma. And this, uh, these are appropriate places for us to place our mindfulness. Because if our mindfulness is sent to things outside of us, the heart won't be peaceful. There will be constantly a feeling of self, of ego, arising. The mind will constantly be bringing up um, these perceptions of beings, of animals, of me, us, and them. So we need to take the mind back to look inwards. This um, gazing inside our bodies or into the feelings, into the mind or into any dhammas that arise in the heart. And this will allow our minds to calm down, to settle. So when we take up the body as the focus of our sati, of our mindfulness, then one means of doing that is looking at the breath, the breath coming in, the breath going out, because this is one aspect of the body, what we call anapanasati, the recollection of the breath. We can also recite bud with the in-breath and do with the out-breath until the mind calms down, comes to peace.
until it has that mindfulness that's strong enough to bring about samadhi. So this mindfulness, the quality of recollection and sampajanya and all around knowing, they need to arise together. And whenever we are practicing meditation like we are now, then we have morality as well. Sila is a part of that practice by necessity because when we come to sit, then our bodies and our speech are in a peaceful state. So bringing up and cultivating uh, the mind through our meditation, through the practice of chanting, we have sila there and the mind becomes peaceful. And as it grows in peace, then um, samadhi starts to arise. And then how does wisdom manifest in the heart? Well, this wisdom depends upon the mind that is in a state of samadhi, that's collected and well settled. Because the Buddha taught that if our minds don't have samadhi, then they won't have wisdom. But if we can bring this samadhi to become well established, um, then that can be a cause for wisdom. We'll see though that this establishment of the mind, the collected nature of the mind is also under these three characteristics. It's in constant, it's something that arises, persists and ceases. Um, and we can't, we're not in a state right now where we can keep that peace of mind forever. Um, the established nature of the heart will start to diminish. So this is yet another Dhamma that arises, persists and ceases. And just like all other forms of physicality and mentality, they all fall under these laws, these characteristics of anicca, dukkha, anatta, of inconstancy, stress and not self. And they're not something that it's appropriate for us to attach to or to um, overlay the meaning of self of a being, of me, or of other. So for wisdom to manifest in the heart, then there does need to be this quality of samadhi there. And when our minds have, um, or in order for our minds to be endowed with samadhi, then we need to train them. We need to bring them to a meditation object. So the Buddha taught many different kinds of objects. There's the um, reflection upon the body, the recollection of the 32 parts, contemplation of the four elements, or of death. And these are all kamatana objects which are concerned with our bodies. Or we can recollect the goodness of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, or the good qualities of the devas that they have, hiri and otapa, this um, shame of wrongdoing and a fear of wrongdoing. We can also bring to mind the sacrifices and the good deeds that we've done in the past. Or we can recollect the sila that we have kept well. These are all skillful objects that bring our minds to a settled and calm state. And so we don't go and let the mind think about sensual things. 
about hate or um, aversion. We don't let it think um, anything that causes sleepiness, drowsiness, doubt, scatteredness. But we bring the mind to skillful, wholesome objects that are a source of peace. We don't allow the mind to think about other people now, because if it does that, it will just be a source for inner confusion and chaos. But rather, we need to bring about clarity and peace here in the present moment. So we use an object of samadhi. We train our minds in this path of sila samadhi panya, of morality, of collectedness of heart and of wisdom. So this is a... Um, sila samadhi panya is a shorthand way of referring to the path the Buddha taught. But what's important is that we walk that path, that we practice it a lot. And so there'll be the blessing that will be given shortly. And then after that, there'll be morning chanting. And then there'll be an opportunity for everyone to sit in meditation, to train the mind um, so that it calms down and it becomes energized and in a, um, a bright state. When the mind is peaceful, then we'll be able to understand deeply the teachings, the Dhamma of the Buddha. And this is something that's of great benefit to us because living in the world as lay people, um, there's a lot of contact that happens throughout the day, that our sense faculties, our sense organs are all intact. And so through these sense doors, there'll be a huge number of objects that come in. And then there will be um, reactions that our mind has towards that. We may become averse to some of them. We may um, become attracted to others. But at this point, we need to maintain and develop mindfulness so that we can let go of those sense objects. And then even when we've experienced something, we still have the memory of it, and the mind goes and attaches to that memory as well, seeing it as that memory as being me and mine. So we have to use mindfulness to train the heart and to collect it together in order to bring about inner peace. <clears throat> 